Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello there. It is Mikey Likes You, episode number two. I am Mike Catherwood. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'd like to kick things off by talking a little water cooler talk um, in the world of health and fitness. Um, one thing that's been bugging me a little bit, or at least it's been on my mind because so many people DM me about it, so many people tweet me about it, intermittent fasting. Um, and right now is a great time to talk about it because Dr. Oz and Mark Wahlberg are fighting. <laughs> Not physically, because we all know how that would go. Uh, but no, they're going back and forth about intermittent fasting. And Dr. Oz is a big proponent talking about, hey, you got to fast to get the GH boost and the ghrelin and the and Mark Wahlberg saying, no, you got to eat. Food is your friend. Um, and so many people text me and tweet me and DM me about intermittent fasting that I thought I would open up the show by diving right into intermittent fasting. Um, it's fine. It's great. I believe in it a lot. I used to work uh, under the tutelage of Martin Burkan, the guy I think that's personally responsible for the popularity of intermittent fasting. If you want to do your thing and you feel like you can get uh, the, the calories you're looking for, the set point of calories you're looking for, with three meals or two meals instead of six, go. You go. You do that. It's not going to matter fuck all in the end of the day. And I think that the health benefits are there, but they're negligible when everything is weighed out. My point being that, yes, there is a growth hormone increase if you fast in the morning. You don't eat, you don't eat till 1 in the afternoon instead of, you know, eating breakfast and blah, blah, blah. Um, your insulin sensitivity is higher in the morning, so I do think it weighs out if you were to, say, eat some breakfast. You have some eggs and some uh, oatmeal or whatever you're having. Instead, if you had that before you train, you're compromising the GH boost, but you're getting yourself um, some energy and and your body's a little bit better using that glucose for energy than it would be at night. So, you know, what's the trade-off? In the end, it doesn't really matter. What matters is get your protein to the level that you want it to be at to do what you want to do. If you want to gain mass and get leaner, you got to get your protein high, okay? Um if you're looking about longevity and, and thinking about longevity and, and health, your protein can be moderate, but it still has to be higher than the average recommended daily allowance. So protein up, get your calories where they need to be, a little bit of a deficit to lose weight, a little bit of a deficit to gain weight, and that's all that matters. It, it, as The Rock says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you eat twice or if you eat eight times a day. You know, you're a professional bodybuilder, and that's your deal. Okay, it doesn't matter. Get your calories right. Get your protein right. And eat as many times as is helpful to you. A lot of people, I, I um, found it a lot easier to regulate my eating and my, um, my cravings and things by fasting. I found it a lot easier. Um, I did think I compromised some of my athletic performance. You know, if I'm in, a, in the morning, wake up and do sparring or Muay Thai, uh, and then later on, I'm also going to hit the weights. I do think it's better for me um, and probably for everybody else, because if you look at it, Olympic at the Olympic Training Center, for any athlete in any sport, they're not eating twice a day. They're eating five, six times a day. They're keeping a consistent amount of amino acids and glucose in their body so that they can go out and perform. So, you know, analyze what's most important to you. And, and, and that's, that's that. Um, now it is time for 
Mikey likes it. Mikey likes it. I don't have my guitar today. I fucked up. Sorry. It's Mikey likes it. Um, Mikey likes it. It is the segment in the show where I recommend something. I endorse something. I openly endorse something, whether it be a training protocol, whether it be a certain type of food, a supplement, or just anything that I think is worth your time and your money. Mikey Likes It Today is an article, an article that was written 15, 20 years ago. It's actually an essay, and it became an article. It, it got huge on the internet, and, and it should. It is called The Iron by Henry Rollins. I have black flag bars tattooed on my arm. I have thirsty and miserable on my wrist. I'm a huge black flag fan, and I'm a huge Rollins fan. I'm a huge fan. So I am biased, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you are a bodybuilder, if you're a housewife, if you are a CrossFit competitor, if you're a fighter, if you're just the average dude who is having a little bit of trouble understanding your time here on earth. You read The Iron by Henry Rollins. I will put a link to it uh, whenever this goes live. I will tweet out a link to it whenever this goes live. But uh, I can't recommend it enough because it's not just about, hey, this is what I do. This is how I lift and this is what I eat and I'm big and I'm strong. No, it's a detailed exploration on self-imposed struggle, on redemption through suffering, on the idea of self-confidence and self-control. Um, and it's excellent. No matter what your walk of life is, no matter what your goals are, I can't recommend it enough. That is Mikey likes it. All right, now it's time for everybody's favorite. I don't know. Let's just say it's fucking everybody's favorite segment. Is it bullshit? So much stuff and information and ideas and products are shoved down your throat. It's hard to know if it is good or if it is shit. I'm going to tell you right now if it is, in fact, bullshit. Today, the Whole30, it's a diet protocol um, introduced with the idea that you would eliminate certain things that have been known to be allergenic or harmful to the system, um, mainly dairy, gluten, um, and certain grains, things like that. Um, I, I'm not a big fan typically of reductionist ideas in dieting. I don't like to just eliminate certain things and then think that everything's all good. But as far as overall health and increasing your positive relationship with food. I do think the Whole30 is great, and it is, in fact, not bullshit. Melissa, the lady behind it, is a smart lady, and she's a real person. She's not some scientist or some fitness competitor that just lives in her own esoteric bubble and doesn't understand what you're going through. She's a real human being who looks great, who feels great. She's been through the ringer. She's come out the other side, and she has developed these ideas on the Whole30, and it lasts for 30 days, hence the name. Um, and, uh, you know, what I like about it, 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 it focuses on nutritionally dense food. The one caveat I will say is if you're using the Whole30 for weight loss, be careful because just because you take out dairy and cheese and sugar, artificial you know, sweeteners and, and sugar from your food doesn't mean that you can't eat too much. Um, it's very uh, – almond butter, for instance, is okay on the Whole30. Um, brisket is great for the Whole30. 
both of those things are very healthy, and I don't mind anyone eating them, but they have a lot of calories. And if you're thinking, well, I've, I've taken out all these things that the Whole30 tells, tells me not to eat, so I'm good, right? Oh, my God, I've gained four pounds. Well, yeah, it's because you're eating too much. You always got to monitor how much you eat. So if you're looking for the Whole30 for weight loss, fine. It's a, probably a nice tool, but just be careful. It doesn't mean you can eat indiscriminately because you have removed a couple of things from your diet. It is Mikey Likes You. I don't have my guitar. It's actually in my car, and I don't want to waste any more fucking time because we had some technical issues before we got started. My guest today is an incredibly smart guy. Um, he is also someone that I admire greatly in the world of health and fitness uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that he is he has done something that most people are simply incapable of doing, and he has been able to push athletic performance and physique to an incredibly high level simultaneously. And uh, most people, um, myself included, are really only able to serve one master. Um, but this guy is a, a black belt in jiu-jitsu under Henner and Hiran at the Gracie Academy, the real actual headquarters of Gracie Academy. Um, so he's a legit uh, jiu-jitsu practitioner with a black belt around his waist. He is also an actual legitimate IFBB pro in men's physique, which means he is the creme de la creme. Um, so please welcome a man that I have had the luxury of talking to many times before. Again, a man that I really admire and you should definitely implicitly trust. As we know, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Safe. Thanks so much, Mike. Oh, that's, yes. That's awesome. I appreciate you. Thank yes. You. Yes. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And um, I, there's a, okay, there's a million guys, as you know, there's a million guys out there with a six pack and, and a great set of, of pecs and biceps. But um, you're a really special case. And I do love to kind of pick your brain because of a lot of reasons. Number one, mind frame. Okay, there's there's this there's this pervasive problem that I see with a lot of people that want to be big and strong or ripped. Um, they they all say, "Look, I got I got a job, I got a family, I got a life. Yeah. It's really hard for me to commit to what I need to do, what I know I need to do, um, and and still get the results I want." You're a guy with a big time, full time, really demanding full time job. Yeah. You got a lady, you got a baby on the way, literally any moment. Any moment. And um, moment. you're not only capable of getting your gym time in, and not only capable of making your meals. You're you're doing it at at an elite level. That impresses me. Thank you. Another thing that impresses me, and I think that people, you know, I, I certainly want to hear about, and I think that my listeners would like to hear about as well, is that you're forty. Yeah, 41 this year. 41. Me too. I'll yeah. be 41 in a couple months. You look great. Bro. Thank you, man. They, yeah. Well, listen, I, I definitely feel like in comparison, you know, for Earth, I look great. But, I, you know, I would be, it would be embarrassing for me to step on a stage with you guys in the, in the men's physique world, you know? You'd be surprised. I, I actually I follow you. I see what you're doing. I was just talking to you prior to recording this, and it's like 
even the exercises that I've seen you do mm-hmm. is like, like I said, it excited me. You know, it's something that I haven't done before and I can't wait to do it. So no matter how vetted you are, how long you've been doing this, um, there's always something you can learn and something you can appreciate from other people. I think you have an incredible physique. I'm looking at you right now. And the first thing that comes to my brain is how much do you weigh? Like that's, I yeah. wanted to ask you that, yeah. you know? So I'm actually curious because last time I saw you, you look like you have gotten a lot stronger. So. I have. Yeah, I've been, I've been taking the time. As you know, you got to like, I always say my, my adage is for people who ask me for advice, be, be realistic, yeah. be specific. Yeah. And what I mean by that is I can't say uh, I, I look the way I look. I want to look like Mike Safay next month. Yeah. That's not realistic. That's not real. I can say next year. Yeah. That's that, you know I can. That's realistic. I can I can work towards that. I may not hit it, but it, it's realistic and it's achievable. When I say be specific, I don't go into the gym every day, every week, whatever, thinking and and certainly I don't create my meals thinking. I'm going to get bigger and also get leaner and get stronger and get, uh, you know, get more shredded and also increase my athletic performance and my power endurance. No, I'm I'm specific. Yeah. And the last three or four months I've said, Let, let's get a little bit more yoked out. You know, let's put on a couple pounds. Nothing crazy, but let's go for it. You know, mm-hmm. hypertrophy is definitely what I'm specifically looking at right now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, first off and foremost – have you always had this kind of killer instinct, this this real um, aggressive mentality when it came to your training? Because we've talked about it before. You're a guy who will look at your logbook like you're like you're getting into a, an MMA fight. Yeah, um, I would say the default of my framework as to how I do things, period, is basically transcending towards this fitness thing. So I have this OCD, I guess, brain that basically um, doesn't allow me not to go into a gym because I suddenly get this feeling of like guilt and like I'm falling off or whatever the case. I can't even put it into words. It's just this visceral effect that goes away once I get in there and I get the job done. Sometimes I have to kind of bullshit myself and just check the box. So amongst my friends and I, we call it just touching it. Sometimes we go in there and like we sparred hard the night before but we just got to touch it, meaning we just go in there and we just do a little bit, right? And then we leave and it's just like, okay, we're satiated for the moment in time. Um, and, you know, hopefully within the next few days, it just kind of fixes itself in that sense. But, yeah, with everything I do um, that I'm interested in doing, right? Right. There tends to be this, like, extreme um, effect in regards to doing it to not doing it. So... I always use this analogy of my AC. And this is kind of like a little funny test you can do with yourself. Um, Your air air conditioner? Yes, in my car. So my my wife has no problem setting the dial like in the middle points. I'm either coldest, hottest, or off. Right. That's how I fucking live my life. Right. And, you know, I fall short in many areas in life. So, you know, the areas I fall short in, I'm like, I know it in my brain. It's like it's that's that off button or the cold. So bodybuilding just so happens to be something that I love doing or fitness. Right. And that's when it's like all the way up on high. So it's not difficult at all. Right. To prioritize that in my day. How do you how do you balance, though? Because it's something that I've I know a lot of listeners um, 
are dealing with, whether it be that they're um, endurance athletes, you know, they, they do triathlons, they do marathons, um, or they're, they're jujitsu practitioners, um, that, you know, this is something that I've struggled with. When I'm really pushing the envelope of wanting my Muay Thai to be crisper and I'm able to go three rounds, I have to kind of compromise the musculature. You know, it's just part of the deal. I can't make it to the gym five, six times a week to really fine tune things. And I certainly can't get the volume and intensity that I want because I'm sparring twice a week or I'm training, you know, four or five times a week. What I'm getting at is like, how are you able to continually improve as a jujitsu practitioner and also be at, be at the highest level of your physique? I mean, really, the, you know, the NBA, the NFL of physique athletes. Um, so what I've done was I've become content with putting things in the back seat on the back seat. So um, there are times where I have to set jujitsu aside. I just won the um, natural bodybuilding's uh, Master Olympia uh, 2019. Um, I trained maybe seven times within three months. When I got back on the mat, I'm now, I have a small group of friends that I consistently train with, and they so happen to be professional MMA athletes. I mean, I got smashed. Yeah. And it's depressing. And I sit there, and I have to go through this, like, this, this mental process of kind of, like, reassuring myself, almost like I'm coaching myself. It's, hey, it's good. You don't have any reason to feel bad because you didn't put in the work that that person that just smashed me put in the work in. This person's been putting hours on the mat doing whatever. So long story short, I'm okay with falling short in certain areas. Right now, like my physique is not nearly as comparable as to what you would see in my prime when I'm competing on stage. On stage, sure. So Instagram is very misleading, right? We tend to post our best, right? You're definitely not going to say, hey, look at me. I don't think people are interested in that for the most part. So you see this contrast of jujitsu and then shredded. The middle is where everything lives right and especially the mindset you were just describing it yourself there are times and you don't even really know why where you just tend to care more about muay thai you're like okay i want to go do this for sure it's more of an interest and you know what you do you put things on the back burner and this is the advantage that we have as non-professional competitor combat athletes we don't have to step into an octagon or in a ring at a certain time and date at a weight we could play and use these tools Right, just as everyone else does, and feel a little bit more alpha about ourselves. We hit things, we see improvement within ourselves, we get human to human contact, and then we leave. We don't have to basically go and test our skill in front of millions of people like some of my friends do. I don't know if I can carry that. I, actually, no, I'm sorry, I can't carry that stress. I think it takes a special brain to walk out and do something like that. So, what I do is I take it a couple of notches down. I like to kind of do everything they do, except go out there and, and fight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think that um, there's a lot of knowledge to be gleaned from that because far too often, especially in a world where we have Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that, I, I'm and I'm guilty of it as anyone. That's the reason I even open up about it. It's not, I'm not trying to say this from like a condescending standpoint. I do this all the time. Yeah. I will be obsessive about developing my Muay Thai. So what do I do? I go online and look at like Buakau's training. I look at, you know, Sanchai's training and think like, I got to do that. And yeah. the reality is, it's like, that's insane. Yeah. That's, a, that's a preposterous thing to do. And plenty of 
housewives who are in good shape will go and look at like the top female CrossFitters and think like, well, this is what I'm doing. You know, it's like, no, no, you're not. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Bad, bad idea. Um, the only thing I can even compare it to and give some type of some type of clarity to people out there who are still missing the point is that a drummer, a guy who uh, drums, and I, I couldn't tell if he did it professionally or if he was just really a hobbyist, but he emailed me a question asking about uh, getting shredded. And, and then also he said, well, I also like to knock back uh, my craft beers and stuff. Is that a, is that a, can I do that? And I said, well, you can, but you can't expect high level results. If you drum three times a week for a couple hours, you'll get better. You'll become a pretty good drummer. You can't expect to be Stuart Copeland. You can't expect to be, you know, Neil Peart. If you want to be that guy, you got to put in that level of effort. And the same thing goes for for health and fitness. If you want to be one of the top 1% CrossFit athletes, okay, just understand that means you have to commit your fucking entire life to doing so. If you want to have other things going on in your life, understand that and don't let yourself get frustrated and discouraged when you're not achieving that level of performance, that level of physique, whatever it may be. You know, be realistic about it. Well, I, 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 I do understand the desire to looking at the top and saying, man, I want to be there. Um, what I do feel comes across as almost arrogant is when you start complaining that you're not there. Right. But you're not putting in the hours and the dedication and all the sacrifice that these other athletes put in. Yep. So this is something that I have to check myself on when I get down. I was just saying that a second ago when I get down on myself because I'm getting tapped out seven million times uh, by my buddy John Paul. It's like, well, this guy's going to wrestling practice. He's in fight camps. He's in jujitsu. Like, I mean, he's just putting hours on the mat. Yeah. It would almost be arrogant. No, not almost. It is entirely arrogant for me to even be down on myself as if me putting in seven hours in three months right. versus his 700 or whatever that, you know, I'm just, you know, being extreme. But his many hours, it's like he's, I don't like to use the word deserve. He's earned. He's earned it. He's earned it. Yeah. I have not. And when you're complaining about something that you haven't earned, then you're just a crybaby. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's a really good point. Um, the way that it's happened most most clearly in my life is with stand-up. You know, people have always told me, look, because I've spent my entire adult life, I've been lucky enough to spend my entire adult life on the radio in, like, the biggest market in the world – and I've been lucky enough to develop around some of the greatest people who have ever done it. Corolla and Kevin and Bean and Kimmel and all these people. They've been such a huge influence and have been good at developing, helping me develop my skills. So I'm like, yeah, well, I got the gift of gab, clearly. You do. People think I'm funny. Let's, I'm going to do stand-up. So I do it. I put in some effort. I get up and I and I'm... I, I bombed like everyone, but I also – I was doing pretty good. I did fine. I did fine. I wasn't bringing the house down, but I did fine. One night I'm going up to do a set and Lee Syatt, who um, uh, a lot of people will know because he's an A, an excellent comic, but also he's uh, Joey Diaz's sidekick on uh, the church, uh, Joey Diaz's podcast. It's, um, it's a, he's a very funny guy, very likable dude. I like Lee a lot. 
And I'm going up to do a set, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the second time I've got up this week. And, uh, you know, last time was a little rough. But, you know, I'm, I'm working on this, refining this joke and telling him. He said, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I just came from an open mic in Santa Monica. And after this, I'm going to go drive to Hollywood and hit another um, hit another uh, 10 minutes at the comedy store. Uh, I got to wake up tomorrow morning. It's going to be tough because I'm going to Groundlings. And I'm like, oh, Oh, there's levels to this shit. <laughs> and it's not even a matter of who's funniest. It's a matter of this guy's committed his life Correct. to doing it. And there's a reason why I'm okay. Yeah. There's a reason why I'm not um I'm not a, you know a, a a crowd killer. It's because I haven't put in 10 years of that kind of effort. And like you said, it's really arrogant for me to assume that I could, that I'm God's gift to comedy, that I'm just going to magically become, uh, you know, Don Rickles. Yeah, there's a couple moving pieces to that, though. First of all, the standard that you're comparing yourself to is very high. Yeah. Which you need to appreciate within yourself. So I, my jujitsu, I always consider it average. Um, I'm definitely not world class. And the reason why is because I consider the world-class athletes that I basically have access to and not as the highest point. And if I can fall to the middle of that, you know what? I might be giving myself permission, you know, to give myself a pat on the back, but I'm happy, right, because I see it. But it also comes down to um, where I give people a break, okay? Because as you suggested, when you see certain people pursuing their career and they're going to, you know, seven different places in one night – you just might not have that desire. Right. It just might not be biologically instilled within you. I don't have this desire to be a world-class jiu-jitsu athlete. And do you know how I know that? It's because I see what they go through. Right. And I'm like, you know, like I want it, but fucking not that bad. Yeah. And if that's what it takes to get there, then, hey, I'm okay with understanding within myself that – I just don't have it because I don't genuinely desire it. And this is an issue that I feel like people don't usually do. We're so fast in this world to move that we don't pause for a second to assess ourselves from the outside. Um, I do this often with myself. Obviously, it's bias, but it's better than not doing it. And I sit there and I have a lot of high-profile, high-athletic friends, right? So I can't help. To compare myself, I'm in a sport where, you know, you're either outpositioned or getting submitted or vice versa, right? There's really no tie. You yeah, you're, you're playing game of death. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you know who the better man is within that moment, circumstantially, within the micro moments to the macro moments. So I have no problem being compared to, but it's a reality where you're like, okay, I'm like right here. Okay, and this is what they're doing, and this is what I'm not doing because when they're going to seven different places, I'm going to the gym, or I'm going home, or I'm doing something else that I actually desire. So I wouldn't even call people lazy as long as they have the ability to accept that they just don't desire what it takes. You don't love it, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, absolutely nothing wrong with that absolutely we just it, you can get so much farther in life when you just just accept things we all love certain stuff correct and go do it we were talking about uh before the podcast and this has as much to do with fitness and and nutrition as it does to just anything in your life adam carolla gave me advice one time and i'll never forget it and he said we were talking about you know i was 26 27 at the time and i was working 
I was working my ass off. I was literally pulling my hair out because I was doing the Kevin and Bean morning show, which goes live at 5 a.m., and also doing Loveline, which went from 10 to midnight. Yeah. In between that time, I was doing E! News, and I had to just wake up over and over again and do it and do it. And, he, and he's saying, you know, yeah, you're earning your stripes, man. You got it. This is the time to do it. You're earning your stripes. Um, you might have to compromise other things in your life, and that's okay. You're not married. You're not, you know, you don't have a kid. Do that now because there's going to come a time in your life when you run out of bandwidth. And the best advice I can give you is either do it because you love it and it makes you really happy or do it because someone's paying you. If it doesn't meet either of those two criteria, don't do it. Yeah. Why would you do something that it doesn't bring you any joy unless someone's going to pay you well? A lot of us go do things at work. A lot of us even work a job in totality that we don't necessarily like or doesn't make us happy because you got to put food on the table. Correct. So either do that or do something that you love and makes you really happy and, and adds to the quality of your life or don't do it, you know? I totally agree. Um, when I was, I had a hernia surgery years ago, and I suddenly realized all these mundane abilities that we're able to do that we don't even think of, such as sitting up, yeah. lying down, and so on. And I came to this, I created a saying within myself, if you're not able to do what you love, love what you are able to do, mm -hmm. right? So you sit there and you assess yourself, and you're like, okay, I'm not able to do this, but what am I able to do, Right. And these are the things that I found to be very fortunate, such as just basically moving and going to bed, getting out of bed. It was very difficult. So this idea that I have this desire, I'm actually, I'm happy, right? Because I, I, I was born with this biological desire that society appreciates, mm -hmm. right? And we apparently get rewarded, right? Um, you know, intangibly so, but like you get rewarded by it and it helps kind of feed the beast to keep going more and more. So you have that advantage to an extent. Um, when I have clients that come in here and they basically, they express the results as wanting the world, I don't want to come across as negative, but I got to pull them back a lot. Right. Okay. Because understanding at least how I know how to go through that, I guess you could say journey it's fucking hard. And the reason why I say it's hard is because, you know, this is the first time we've spoken. I'm not in a prep. I'm not, like, right. I'm not counting my calories. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm living life. No, I mean, uh, one one time you actually came to do a podcast with Dr. True and I, and you had a bag full of Tupperware. You know, I mean, you were doing your damn thing. <laughs> yes. And, and I think it's important to point out, not just to, to stroke your ego and yeah. let everybody know you're a badass, but like, you want to get five, six percent? You want to step on stage? That's what you're doing. Correct. You want to be 10%, 12%? You want to look like me? You could do it. You, I mean, you can yeah, protein bar here and there or, you know, stop by in and out and maybe get a protein style. You, you can do it. You get, But you got to understand your return is directly proportionate to your deposit. You Correct. Know? <laughs> and going back to the question that um, your friend asked you regarding the beard, you can actually do it. It's, yeah. it's, it's possible. But it takes math and it takes knowledge of knowing how to factor those in to your caloric deficit or surplus, whatever the goal is, right. to go higher or lower. So yes, you can. But have you sat there or will you sit there to learn the process of factoring in your calories, then counting all of the calories within the meals you're consuming, then factoring those beers in? 
Probably not. Right. Right? And that's why I have such little faith when people want to get unrealistically shredded. That's another thing, too. On stage, I am probably the unhealthiest at that time in my life. I mean, this is like something that we don't talk about in bodybuilding, but I mean, to each their own. But everybody's, at least especially in the IFBB, everyone's on juice, everyone's malnourished, and everyone's dehydrated. And so if somebody has said, no, 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 it's like, well, that's from our, as far as I know, that's what I've seen backstage. Right. Right. My brother and I had to help somebody one time uh, because he was passing out. His eyes were rolling up and his team was f- making him drink pickle juice. Oh, my God. The guy won third place. Yeah. That, you, you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I've always said it to people more off the air than on the air because every, people will see that I have competed in, in bodybuilding um, years ago. But, I, but I, I have, I've done it. I've gotten up on stage in the posing trunks. It takes a certain <laughs> – you know, it's like doing stand-up. It takes a certain thing. You yes, know, you got to be willing to, to follow through with that. Um, and I go, okay, you're interested in doing this? Take into consideration – Two things. Every guy I know loses his libido. Every girl I know loses her period. Yeah. What does that tell you about what this is doing to your body? If you're willing to compromise your health for the sake of looking good, we can talk. But this is not something – don't conflate the two. There's health and there's insane levels of shredded. Such a good point, man. That's now, by the way, the average dude, the average gal, you can go for both. Yeah. There's ways of doing it, being healthy and being lean and being muscular. Um, but but don't think that they're both in unison all the time. You know, yeah. I, 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 for, for weeks leading into the – I was eating unsalted whitefish and, uh, and some white rice, some rice cakes every once in a while. Yeah. You know, like – that's not a healthy diet. I wasn't getting, you know, a lot of tubers and some veggies that I like to eat on a daily basis and a lot of berries and stuff. I was carb depleted. I was shitty. I was water depleted. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking nightmare. And you were willing to sacrifice your health. You didn't give a shit. You might have felt lightheaded. You might have felt pain in your kidneys. And you're like, this, the goal is to look this way. Right. And I've, I've had that experience where right. I'm like... I tell my wife, hey, listen, you know, I just want to let you know before we go to bed, I'm feeling this right here, you know? So it's like there's a sense of fear that comes over us. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's you're absolutely right. Do not conflate the two whatsoever. Um, as far as it being attainable, even then, right, as lean as you are, I'm the weakest that I am. My performance is the worst. And I, like, I guess you could say by default, I, I love performing. I love balance. I love surfing. I love lifting things. I love moving myself. I love running. I love all these things. And, you know, age in itself is naturally going to reduce those abilities. And so I'm temporarily reducing them by just wanting to compete. I love competing, though, because I do love this idea of going through a short-term process at least once a year. Um, and this is what I recommend to everybody, pass or fail, um, you know, comparing yourself to others is not the point. Have a start date and have a short-term end date. And no matter how grueling or how bored or whatever sacrifice you're going to put yourself through, 
I'm almost going to guarantee that last day when you're saying goodbye to that process, you're going to be a little sad. It's like, man, this is done. Right. And then there's a whole nother beast after that in regards to rebounding and all that. But you learn about yourself in the sense of what you go through, what you're able to. And then here, this is always what happens. You're done with it. You say goodbye. You eat your meals. You do your this. I'm, I'm speaking in the context of bodybuilding. And then when you get comfortable and a little fat again, you're like, I'm going to do it again. Right. Right? Right. But that following day, like my, <laughs> we have friends and they're like, I'm done with this shit because it's hard. Yes. People cry. People cheat. They literally go to a place where no one is. Imagine this in your head. You kind of disappear from all your peers and you're just silently eating something. Yep. That And you know what? You're volunteering yourself to this process. But as long as people don't know that you're cheating, then you kind of feel a little bit. Dude, amazing point. And, and honestly, the reason I got out of bodybuilding was because – not because of the physical problems that you, you brought up, which is, which is very real. I used to ache from the inside out. I used to feel like I had the flu you yeah. know, when I would step on stage. But it was because I'm a drug addict. Yeah. And I noticed that I was doing – the same fucking thing yeah. that I would do with crack cocaine, except I was doing it with Oreo cookies and pizza. Yeah. I was doing the same. I was a, I was lying. I was a dishonest prick. <laughs> I would tell my trainer, I was like, fuck, last night, just, yeah, some steamed broccoli, a couple chicken breasts. Yeah. Uh, I, I neglect to mention that I had, you know, a sli- two slices of cake and three bagels. And you know what I'm saying? I, I was lying. I, I was I was selfish. I was doing all these things emotionally and psychologically that I noticed I was doing active in my addiction. And I said, what am I, how am I, how am I feeding recovery as opposed to feeding my addiction? I'm, I'm, I'm clearly doing the former instead of the latter, you know, and. But right there, you're describing what I consider to be a gift within certain people, a few people. You sit there and you question your motives to your actions. Right. And this is what I, if you don't know how to do it, I would even suggest to do this before meditation or anything like that. I don't know how to meditate. I've tried. So I'm not putting it down, but like sit there and assess yourself, right? And you'll see like you'll, you don't say what you feel, but you know what you feel. Mm-hmm. You knew. You weren't speaking out loud. You knew the feeling you got when you were not you know, when you were withholding certain things that you should not have been, right? But you also identified parallels to things that you would, you, you basically got out of. Yeah. So I'm the same way. You know what I mean? Like, I have a past, bro. Like, and I have, uh, like, I have a, a, the ability to identify certain parallels, and I tend to stop myself when it comes to certain things. But that starts with the ability to literally assess yourself. And, you know, when it comes down to people and wanting to get in shape and so on, um, this ability to assess themselves before they even get involved. Right. Like before they take that first step or the process or before they go hire a trainer or get on a diet, if they had the ability to understand how they work in ways they prefer not to work, I guess you could say, I think that they would be a lot more successful and they wouldn't be so hard on themselves. Right. Right. Yeah. And And – you know, everyone is in awe of Joe Rogan, and and, and justifiably so. The man yeah. has created an empire, 
and he has become the greatest broadcaster in the world. I mean, you know, I, I don't know about the great. Howard Stern is probably the greatest at doing the job, but how, Joe Rogan's the most listened to person on the planet. Yeah, and 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 he the way he was able to create that is astounding, and everyone should, whether you like it. The, the content of the show or not, whether you like his comedy or not, you sh- you have to bow down at the altar of what he's been able to do. And I everyone always looks at Joe because he's such a talented comic. He's such a talented podcaster. He, he's an amazing color man and, and, and uh, bro- sports broadcaster. His play-by-play with the UFC is probably as good as any sports broadcaster out there. But the thing that I think most people o- overlook that I think has been very crucial to his success is that more so than anybody else as successful as him in the entertainment industry, he's very honest with himself. Yes. He's incredibly honest with himself. And what I mean by that is you'll frequently hear, Joe, if you listen to the JRE, uh, yeah, I used to believe in that and I was an asshole about it. And I completely changed my way. And I, I feel bad. I used to be Mr. Anti-Moon Landing. It was a, and I was, a, I was a dick about it. And I was overbearing. And I needed to take a step back. And I feel really bad about doing A, B, and C. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went through a real lull uh, in my comedy, and I realized I wasn't getting up as much as I needed to. I was, you know, what I'm saying. He, he's honest. He's he's very open and honest, and 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 there's a there's an introspection about Joe that is it is incredibly admirable, and I guarantee you is really really um, is is at least partly responsible for his success is the fact that most people as successful as him. They have a hard time really being honest with themselves. And he's really, really good at that kind of introspection. And it's important, man. I, I do agree. And I feel that um, it's an addicting thing to do. Yeah. So Because you don't necessarily start that way. Um, like I, I within my Instagram, I always love to ask thought-provoking questions. And um, I think one question I ask is, do you have a choice like to be convinced and, you know, it's funny when you see some people say yes. It's like, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, you you can't unrealize something, right? Uh, one of the best things I heard from uh, Sam Harris was you can't not understand what I'm saying, right? Oh, actually, that was the question. Do you have the choice to understand everything you want to? Some people said yes or no, and I don't believe so, right? So with Joe Rogan... Um, doing what you said, right, within myself, there was a time in my life, I mean, I, I lied about having sex for the first time amongst my friends. Like, I've done these bullshit lie things as a kid. Like, yeah, I've done that or I would do that. Um, but now in my life, I've I've become addicted to telling the truth about how I truly feel. Right. Now, you it requires a tool, right? It requires an intuitive tool to assess the value as to which time you present your honesty. Because unfortunately, in the world we live in, there's a consequence to pay for your honesty. Yep. So I'm not... Especially, not to interrupt you, but especially in the entertainment industry. 100%. Politicians and entertainers, (laughs) I, I really do think in life, the old adage that nice guys finish last... I think it's bullshit. Oh I think God. that you are rewarded greatly by being a good human being. Yeah. Um, just there, there's just the real karmic out. You know, the energy you put out into the world will come back to you. But politicians and entertainers, um, you can be very successful and be paid greatly. There, there's great reward 
in being a dishonest, narcissistic prick. And and I'm not saying that's sustainable. Yeah. You know, the chickens usually come home to roost. But there, it, something about those two businesses, it's it's very easy to just ride it, ride it into the sunset, being a dishonest person. You know? Yeah. And you know what? Um, it, uh, it That touches on to another subject in regards to Instagram, period. So sometimes people will present this false, I guess you could say, personality within the virtual reality world, the mm-hmm. social media world, to where they hide. There's people that I have conversations with on Instagram that if I see them in public, they they just go away. Right. Because they've invested so much in this false sense of themselves right. that they're fearful to exposing who they truly are. I'm here to say I'm addicted to expressing how I really feel, right? And I think Joe Rogan is too. Not only does he getting rewarded for it, because as you suggested, which I agree, that's part of probably the contribution as to his success. But you then just walk around this world and you are just happy and excited. No, this is the way I feel about this. I was wrong about that, right? And you get this sense of like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very positive feeling that overcomes. But starting it can be very difficult because it creates awkward situations. Sure does. Yes. So get through that first few and you'll see you won't stop. In fact, you'll probably become a monster and then have to tone it down a little bit. Right. But, it, you know, it's important to recognize that not being honest. A lot of times I used to think this a lot with my wife. I thought that if I wasn't honest about certain things, like maybe maybe she was fucking being a bitch to me earlier. And you know what? I'll keep my mouth shut because I'm such a selfless person. <laughs> I'm such a nice husband that I'm not going to rock her boat and, and tell her I totally disagree with you about A, B, and C. Or it was very pushy and inconsiderate of you to do A, B, and C. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm just such a giving, loving man. I'm not even going to confront her. No. Reality was I was a pussy. Yeah. And as soon as I started sticking up for myself, not not being an asshole about it, but expressing to my wife, being honest and open to the fact that I did not feel very good about you doing this or I totally disagree with you about doing that. I think that the way you behaved at this situation was wrong. She started trusting me more. She loved me more. I felt better about myself. Yeah. And the only reason I didn't do this to begin with is because I was scared. Yeah. It's it's fear and it's selfish. You think you're being self selfless. It's really selfish because yeah. you're saying I'm not going to put myself through the agony of having to be honest in this uh, this discomfort. Yeah. I'm not going to do that to myself for the sake of immediate r- relief and just like oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go watch Netflix. I'm not even going to fucking deal with it. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it comes down to that uh, risk-reward assessment. Right. And um, we don't think about it all the time, but we are literally doing it all the time. I mean, we're sitting there and we're doing little math equations with almost every decision that we make. And um, like yourself, when it comes to basically well, – my wife is different. I've I've had to tone it down a little bit, all right, yeah. because um, – there was a point where it's like every little thing, you know, you can get carried away on both ends. Sure. Right. And so now it's kind of like, hey, listen, like this is just not worth it, you know. But what I like to say is that being honest is an investment towards my character to others. 
right? Right. I'm investing in my relationships with people. And even though it doesn't always work out with other people, the process is weeding out those that I'm not really interested in being around anyways. Absolutely, man. So, and that's – tell me if I'm wrong. That's one of the biggest benefits of being a 40-year-old man. It is. is that, I'm not giving a fuck. Is that I absolutely do not even question the desire to go be around people that I don't want to be around. Yeah. When I was 28 – I totally did that. Yeah. When I was 18, I exclusively did that. Yeah. You know, you're just, you're so consumed about what look visually, the optics of like, oh, this person's cool. This guy's got, you know, a great car. This guy fucks a lot of hot chicks. I'm going to hang with him. The whole time you're like a little miserable about it, but it, it didn't matter. <laughs> now, it, 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 the cool thing about being 40, I always tell people is like, you don't have to pretend to like a band you don't like. Yeah. You don't have to pretend to be around people you don't like. It's just like, no, I don't, I don't like that. Fuck you. You're right. You know? You're absolutely right. I mean, just when you were just saying that, it, it brought me back to when, when I was a kid. I mean, there were certain people in my life that I was motivated by. And I mean, you know, I think it's very human to look to people that we admire and, you know, tend to adopt their trends. Right. right? I don't I'm not going to penalize anybody for that because I think it's within our nature to be that absolutely. way. Right. Um, but. It comes back to sitting down and assessing yourself when you're by yourself in a quiet moment and you're asking, fuck, why am I doing this shit? Right. Right. Now you have a fucking dilemma that you have all the power in the world to fix. And then it comes down to what that risk and what reward are you receiving? So, I mean, I'm going to leave that up to everybody else to figure out for themselves. But within myself. I made up my mind at some point in my life to be as honest as I can be. Right. Right. Um, like I said, though, you, this is not to be conflated to, you know, just going around and, you know, just speaking, you know, in a position a, at a point where it's not warranted. Right. Unjustifiably hurting people's feelings. Correct. It's not about being honest. That's you're an asshole. Yes. Um, but but not expressing yourself when you truly believe something is that's, you know, honesty. Honesty is doing the right thing even when it's the hard thing. Absolutely. You know? And, and it's interesting that you say that because that is, that does transcend into your everyday hobbies and actions. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about this right now. I'm, I'm literally figuring out this whole thing as we talk. I don't do too many dishonest things in my life. Yeah. Like with fitness, right? With with jujitsu, right? With training people, there is a fucking tangible way of seeing the effects of your work. Yeah. There's no bullshit, right? It's like, listen, you're either moving forward or moving backwards. Right. Right? And there's a reason why one or the other is occurring. So there, when it comes to providing information, I'm, I think just like we said a second ago, there are different levels to this shit. And there are certain people that I look to and I admire so much and even them, they're at the highest level. They speak, they usually don't speak in absolutes. I can't even remember a time. They're like, you know, this is probably the best way. This is, and I'm like, wow. It's those that basically, you know, this is where I like just to kind of get off topic a little bit. But when people are so sure about a process or a, you know, a, a method in regards to how to eat or how to train or whatever the case is, I can't help to be skeptical, though. Absolutely. Initially. And you are not off topic at all. 
<laughs> you're right on topic with what I think a lot of people listening right now want to hear because we are inundated with information, which is great. It's also terrible. Yeah. People are just overwhelmed with information. And you can't help but get upset if you're if you're an honest person, like you said, in the fitness industry. You can't help but get upset when people say you either train this way or you're wrong. You either eat this way or you're wrong. The reality is, is like there's like maybe three absolutes that you and I could give people to really to really make a difference. And it's like uh, train hard, recover, um, calorie deficit for losing weight, calorie uh, surplus for gaining weight. Yeah. Yeah. However you get to those, yeah. it's your business, you Absolutely. know, that, but that's the reality. Like, you know, it, and, it, and it, it's kind of dishonest, like you said, to write these long books or websites or programs that promise people any different. Yeah, yeah, man, I can't express how much I agree with you. You're, I look at things. So I, I, I talk to my friends and we have these conversations and some of my friends are like, you know, because in the past I would write and respond to literally any type of bullshit. Mm-hmm. I can't help it. It triggers me. Like, I want to say something. I've gotten a lot better at just keeping my mouth shut. And when I'm looking through social media, I'll just squip by it. I never have to see it again. I'll unfollow people when I see certain things. Um, I don't want to contribute to this crap. Right. right? And so... I'm not here to necessarily say, like, this is the way, but I definitely have the ability to assess um, uh, better ways and basically lies, right? And that's just because, you know, there's evidence to show otherwise. Um, You you know, right now there's a popular um, Netflix documentary, and everybody's, you know, going vegan. The Game Changers, yeah. Yeah. That was my first... I usually start the show. I don't say usually because I've only done one episode prior to this. But I I like to start the show with kind of water cooler talk about what's popular right now because so many people – like I said, we're inundated with that that information. And and that was the first thing that I I touched on was game changers. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of cool aspects about plant-based diets. There's a lot of science to show the benefits of of plant-based diets. I wish they would have just stuck to that. Yeah, the, re, the peppering it with all the bullshit about the beet juice and nineteen percent increases in strength and yeah. Conor McGregor lost a fight because he ate meat. And it's like, what, what, what are we doing? What are we? Well, that, that's the thing. It, it's not even so much the substance more than it is the approach that bothers me. Yeah, it, like the president. Yeah, it's not. Sometimes it's not what Donald Trump says; it's how he says it. Yeah, you know. To me, if he, the disingenuous approach towards something that you know people are going to basically look to, yep. right, is it's like it's, it's horrible basically. It's something that I couldn't do. I mean I'm not here to speak, you know, about moral and ethics, but fuck, bro, I couldn't do that. Right. Um, now, if they truly believe what they're saying, which I don't believe that they do, because I heard um, the, the, there was a cool little debate that Joe Rogan had, right? Right. That I actually feel like the game changer, I think, uh, creator or one of the, he actually got the better of the other guy. Right. He, I believe his Chris, Chris Kresser was he, what, what the, the kind of meat eater proponent. and He, he just, you know, no disrespect. He just did a horrible job. Um, now, let me say this, a side note. 
Um, I've been into argument and debate for about 10 years now, right? And so I've had a couple informal debate when it comes to like theology. So I have the ability from an amateur perspective to recognize logical fallacies and so on, red herrings. Right. And so I love argument. Argument is non-conflict. It's basically presenting your premise and to see how you back it up, right? Sure. It's like a, to me, it's better than fighting, right? So when I'm listening to these two talk, I'm like, fuck, man. They have the wrong guy representing the team that I'm on. Sure. So now Lane Norton, right? I don't know if you've heard of I him. I love Lane, yeah. He is. He wants to go at him. Yeah. So I don't know if they've accepted um, the, the, the debate, but Joe Rogan has basically put it out there. It's up to the game changer, I forgot his name, um, creator. So I can't wait to hear that. But I, I'm going to guarantee that's probably going to be a lot different than the first. So... The point is, is that there's a lot of information out there, and people generally don't peel the onion back just one more layer, right? Because yeah. it's very easy to sit on your couch, press a button, and just be convinced, which is why knowing the brain, right, as far as I know my brain, I tend to stay away from these things. Yeah. Because even if I'm like, no, I'm rational, I'm rational, and I think I'm cool because I'm Mr. Rational, it's still in my head. I use this analogy often. If 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 you said, Mike, this 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 room is haunted, I don't believe in ghosts. I really don't. If I slept here in the middle of the night and I woke up to take a piss, I'd be like, I'd look left and right. Man, is there a ghost in here? Because once you plant the seed in the head, yep. right? It's like it's, it's a natural thing to defend yourself, right? So you would at least think about it. Now you have some type of disingenuous narrative in your head that will somehow manipulate your decisions, right? And I've seen it across even some of my smarter friends. Hey, I want to go vegan. Why? Why? Well, I want to be healthier. Well, how do you know if you are healthy right now? Why? You feel good? Yeah. Well, how do you know if it's going to make a difference? Did you get blood work? Yeah. No? Yeah. Well, then how are you going to tell? I mean, but I saw the movie and the they don't have a fucking answer. Right. They just want to do one small piece of a large puzzle, right? And then just hopefully think it's going to take care of itself. Yep. Yep. And that and you know, that's why I think it 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 speaks to a much larger um chunk of life, but if we narrow, if we really f- kind of filter it down to just fitness, I think that's why so many people don't get results. Yes. There's so many people don't get results because they're they're so blinded by the seeds, as you as you uh, as you pointed out. So many seeds are planted that they actually can't get to the big tree behind them, which is really most of it. It's like you just don't want to recognize that you need to monitor your calories, and you need to really commit to eating things that are going to be satiating, that nourish your body, and uh, and that's it. Yeah. It's really tough. I love the idea of there being don't eat A, B, and C and you'll win. I love the idea of just eat more of this and you'll be fine. But that's not reality. And the sooner that you can just kind of like push that all behind you and say like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to fucking sit down and I'm going to journal my calories. Yeah. I know it sucks, but hey, I want it. I'm going to do it. I mean, you're absolutely right, and I'll say this. Um, again, this falls down to human nature. I believe it's just very human 
to kind of want things to work for you versus you working for the thing. Right. And so when people are putting out bullshit, it's like you can sit there and like for the for everyone out there that's going to hear this that's on a journey to be, you know, a healthier individual, draw a pie chart and see how much of it goes to non-GMO, organic, right? Uh, cardio, weight training, and then, um, you know, counting your calories, etc. The harder stuff, I would assume by the majority, is going to get the smallest piece, <laughs> right? And it should be the inverse, right? Correct. Yeah. And there's a reason why. And, and, and here's the thing. With every diet or fitness journey, if you're not expecting to fail, you within that time, you're you're basically misunderstood. Yeah. Right. Because it's it's almost as if you need to prepare yourself to fix your slips. Right. That kind of rhymes. Right. <laughs> fix your slips. So you have a day one journey. You have the last day. You're going to slip. Right. Now, I don't slip. Right. Within a body. Once that fucking light fuse turns on, I don't cheat at all. But, I'm but you all, recognize you're not the average person. You're a professional. Yes. I mean, you're a professional. I'm yeah. weird. Yeah. I am fucking weird. I go home. I do nothing. I sit down. There's no TV sometimes, and I'm just doing a logic puzzle or, you know, looking at Instagram. I do nothing, and that's not the common person. I'm not the most social, which another – that's another thing too. The more social you are, the most – the more likely you are to make mistakes within your fitness and health journey, mm-hmm. period. So you have to assess all these things and you have to basically you – ha- you have to make account for your lifestyle and fit that in. And if you're not able to fix the slip or at least prepare yourself for that, then I believe from uh, an experience from my own self versus working with other people, um, you're going to be really let down within yourself. Right. You're not going to be happy because you're going to think this one time you messed up just fucked it all up. But it's almost a cop-out. You're almost looking for a way out. Ah, I fucked up, so I just started all over, and I, you know, I'll do it again next year or whatever the case is. Fuck no. Yeah. Like anything you do, man, it's like if you slip one day, two days, even one week, right? I I call it taking the uh, slack out of the carpet. You left a little bump, right? And I show people strategies too, calorically, how to adjust this, right? Um, Now you just have to smooth it out. Smooth it out, right? So there are different ways. So for people, once again, that are on a health and fitness journey, I'm not granting you permission to go make, you know, mistakes that aren't, you know, that are within your control. But if you find yourself in a position where you realize, okay, I went outside the boundaries of what I was supposed to do, right? Okay, well, now that's on you to make that adjustment. Right. Reduce your calories the next few days. Do a little bit more cardio. Be more active. Take the stairs, not the elevator, right? Like there's so many different ways to make up to take that slack out of the carpet that you basically created for yourself. And that's what life's about. Right. Yeah. Period. No, you're right. Self-assessment. Let's let's take a pause and re Okay. I can't change what just happened. So what am I going to do about it? You know, I, I always said in recovery, um, you know, people get so obsessive about like, oh, it's all my fault. I fucked up. And uh, I, I did this and this and this and because I'm a drug addict and I'm an alcoholic. Then there's the alternative where people are like, it's not my fault. I was born this way. I'm a, it's a disease. It's a disease. And I go, no, it's not your fault that you're a drug addict. 
It absolutely is not. You were born that way. You have a chemical difference between the average person. But it's all your fault what you do about it. Yeah. It's totally one million percent your responsibility what you do about the fact that you were born different, you know? And so you got to kind of find that balance. It's 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 not your fault probably that, hey, it was Super Bowl Sunday. You were surrounded by a bunch of people that are eating chicken wings and, and you, you didn't have much other food to choose from. And, hey, it looked good. You've been great on your diet. That's not really all your fault, all those factors. You know, you know what it is? What is your responsibility totally on your shoulders is waking up the next day and fucking recognizing it and doing something about it. Not, you know? Yeah, it's very interesting. So one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life was quit smoking weed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I started smoking weed when I was 15, and I quit June 13th of my – the day after my 27th birthday. So every June 13th is one more year. Right. right? So I'm approaching 14 years. Now, smoking weed was the capital letter and the period to every sentence in my life. It's how I started and how I ended my things. Right. I was – now, I know some people in today's times are like, oh, but, you know, whatever. And I'm not here to sit down and kind of have a pissing contest as to who has done the most or the worst. Sure. All I know is that it was something that I didn't want to do at some point, And it was very, very fucking hard to stop. Absolutely. And that process, the first few days. Now, I'm not like. You know Leonardo DiCaprio and Basketball Diaries. I sure. No, I, I, and I think most people can understand that. I actually think it's really good that you're pointing that out because I'm I'm a big fan of weed. I'm a big proponent of legalization. I, I, I'm not trying to bum your high, but I do think that because with the movement and the legalization, especially here in California, where it's like Amsterdam now, people are just smoking weed on the streets and shit. Good for them too. Yeah. I, I'm with that. Do I, your thing. Yeah. Do your thing. But let's not pretend it's not a drug. Yeah. It's 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 a chemical that you it's psychoactive, you know? You know what? I won't even let it go beyond myself. I just know within myself I didn't want to do something. Right. So it could be a food, it could be a drink, it could be a, a fuck a girl. Hun- yeah, it could be a girl, it could yeah. be anything. There was just a point in my life where I made a decision to want to stop. And that process really allowed me to realize how strong I was because I didn't know how I was going to stop. I mean, right. I used to train my clients for two ounces a month. Yeah. Right? Hey, you give me two ounces of the fucking best, and it's like you call your friends, hey, what are you doing? Nothing, what are you doing? You got any weed? Yeah, come through. That's how it was. Yeah. I had rituals, routines, and all that, and I fucking stopped it all. That year, I, me and my wife, we bought a, lot, a bottle of Dom Perignon. It was the last time we've ever drank, right? So that's going to be every January is 13 years. So I'm happy to say within my whole 30s, I've been substance free. And the reason why I bring that up is because like any other thing that you desire, when you need to separate yourself from that purely because you want to, right? Not because you're in whatever, just because you want to, there is a process and it's going to be fucking hard. And now when I have to engage in certain things, I tell myself, Mike, you can do hard things. You can do hard things, right? Not only can I run up a hill with my throat and my neck, but I know when it comes to breaking habits or I guess you could say um, creating a new habit, right. I could do it. 
I have ADHD. I took Adderall for a certain time. I fucking loved it. I did not have any of these cliche like, oh, my God, it did this, it did that. No, I became much more focused at the things that I wanted to do. But I started monitoring my blood pressure, and it went up to a point where I was like, hey, I don't want to be a smart dead guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and you know what? I fucking stopped. Yeah. That first day. I went from like, hey, waking up, boom, 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 to forgetting my keys. I left my house. I'm like, fuck, you know? And I now, totally get it, yeah. Bro, so listen, when it comes to food, things that we are allowed to do, things that don't have negative stigma, you have the hardest job because this is like – this is fully accessible. It's fully okay. You're allowed to. You don't have to even hide it, right? So when it comes to parting ways or, or I, like I said, uh, developing a new habit, um, go for it. And if you trip and stumble, that doesn't give you permission to quit and say, I'm going to try it another day. No, that's part of your journey right. to separating. Right? Exactly. That yeah. period. So um, – yeah, I mean, there's certain things in life that you look to yourself and you basically assess your strength and your weaknesses. And, you know, we know things through contrast. We compare things uh, by, by, to each other, which is how we know what high or low is, hot or cold, right? Hard, easy. So one of the things when it comes to developing a habit with people or breaking a habit, it seems to be very difficult. And so I try to help people by explaining my story, by being fully transparent with, uh, like, my clients and that people that come to me. And um, sometimes, you know, they, they, they sometimes it might be a little too much too early. But for the most part, when they need, like, a full-on truthful, I guess you could say, assessment of themselves, they come to me. Yeah. Because they know they're going to get the truth. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. And you know why? Because they can see in you. And I, I, I could see in you before I even met you, really. I contacted you through Instagram the yeah. first time is that you have a very honest appraisal of yourself. Yeah. That's why you're capable of giving honest appraisals to other people, you know, and it, it's it's like, I don't know, the idea of understanding that it's going to be hard um, is something that took me a long time to learn. But, you know, uh, an old jujitsu coach of mine, I, forget, I wish I could remember who it was. It wasn't Orlando and it wasn't Crone. But he he they he told me essentially he's like there's an old African proverb that there's never been a great sailor made on smooth seas. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and it's true. The reality is like you, you don't really grow when things are going well. Yeah. You grow. You know, your your life is like muscles. They don't grow from staying stagnant. They grow from being torn in half and beaten to shit, and then they're allowed to recover and grow bigger and stronger. And that's that's like human human existence, you know. One hundred percent. In jujitsu, we always speak about efficiency. Yeah. You know, you want to be the most efficient. You want to be the most efficient. And um, you know, I set my friends, which are also my instructors, aside, and I'm like, not across the board. You know, inefficiency. The process of going through that is how you become efficient. Efficient, yeah. Right. You can't have one without the other. So although I understand the message of being a, be efficient, be efficient, be efficient, we want to watch out for blanket statements. Sure. Right? And we have to understand that, like, there's more to it than just that. Right. Right? We need to be inefficient to become 
efficient, which I think is touching on the analogy. It's an amazing analogy, too, that you were speaking about. I, I, I honestly, I think everyone should kind of like bang that into their head because it's true. And, and we, all, we all like to push against discomfort. Uh, we're, we're, we're alive and breathing. It sucks. Discomfort sucks. But reality is it's like Jocko always says, Jocko Wilnick, another guy, he's like, no, you know, when, when I would be in battle and things go to shit, instead of panning, I go, thank you. Thank you for this amazing gift for me to learn, to, for me to grow. Um, you know, to wrap things up, because I know uh, I've, I've completely monopolized your time. No, I enjoy but, it, bro. But one thing that I, I definitely want to hear from you to the listeners, because you are a guy who's gotten to that 0.001 percent. Yeah. Um, you've really, you know, you're you're the you're at the top of the mountain when it comes to being shredded and, and having a beautiful physique. Thank you. So many people, so many people want to hit the gym. They want to measure their food. They want to do it. They want to do it, but they're scared of it because they think guys like you, guys like me, girls with the amazing, you know, the Instagram models with the amazing ass and the shredded shoulders, they think that they're embarrassed. Uh, they should be embarrassed in front of them because they don't have uh, progress. They don't have, they don't have, um, uh, a beautiful physique. They don't have strength. They don't have whatever it may be. They're scared to walk through the door of the gym because of people like you and me. And I would love to hear my take on it is, and I learned this through martial arts more than anything. Everyone's a white belt at one point. Yeah. And for the most part, tell me if you agree, guys and gals who have achieved the high level, we're not in any way clowning on people who are overweight, who are weak, who are whatever, who are in the gym. Those are the people that I look at with the most regard and reverence because I go, I was there. I get it. Good on you fucking for making the decision to go in there and do your thing. The guys and gals I hate the most are the like 75 percenters. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. You're benching three plates, but you're a fat fuck and you're walking around with your shirt, sleeveless shirt and you're, you know, rapping out loud to your headphone music. And the the, the obnoxious chick who's like, she's kind of got a nice body, but she's taking 50,000 pictures of her ass. It's Those are the people that I look at and I'm like, what's, what's your deal? If you're sitting at home and you're embarrassed or you feel ashamed to do what you need to do, I would, I'd like to say, firstly, from my point of view, and I'd love to get your take on it, don't be. Because... Guys and guys and gals that have gotten up to the top of the mountain, we respect you big time, yeah. and we we welcome you with open arms. Yeah, um, I agree. The first thing you probably want to do is ask yourself why you truly feel this way. Is right. it just something that you are seeing within yourself, or something that you would do to others? Right. This is kind of a question for yourself as to where this thought comes from. If you've had an experience. Well, I mean, you probably have somewhat of a justified reason, right? And you can change environments. But here's an analogy that I think that we as humans can all appreciate that I um, often use. Imagine you have two athletes. You have two people. You have one, uh, whatever you would consider to be an amazing physique athlete, man or woman, right? And then you have another out-of-shape human, and their goal is to run up this hill, right? A one mile hill, you know, as fast as they can. Okay. The, the, the strong looking athlete destroys and breaks a world record, right? The out of shape person is barely making it to the finish line. Who do you think 
is going to receive the most applause? Absolutely. Who do you think is going to basically, I guess you could say, trigger this intrinsic primal-like motivation to move, to go forward? Why do we love Rocky? Exactly. When he's running up the stairs, because he's doing it easy? No. Because he basically defeats adversity. And although we don't have a chance in the gym to assess everybody's story, right, the higher level people have the ability to assess who are where they are and at what level. Now, here's what I will say. Don't be a fucking knowing, period. Sure. Don't be a weight slammer, right? Don't be a screamer, right? If, if you're really concerned about attention being drawn to you, I believe that there's circumstantial etiquette to every environment you go to. And it's kind of up to us to assess the environment and to go in there and to do your work. Remember why you're in there. It's not to receive praise by people. And if that is, then you really can't complain about people criticizing you. Because if you want to put yourself out there publicly, then you have to receive both ends. But if you're there because you're a part of this journey that you have volunteered yourself to be, just understand that humans, whether they know you or not, want you to succeed because this is where we get motivation from. It's not the easy, it's the difficult that has strived and that has become successful. And that's for you to think about and create your own picture. Right. That's a beautiful, beautiful kind of sentiment to end on, dude. And and you're right, man. Uh, I always say, like, I get so much more out of being a sponsor than I do from my sponsor. Right on. Nothing against my sponsor. I mean, it's amazing. I need that person to rely on it and, and give me guidance and to – but – being able to work with a kid who's in it, in the thick of it, who's fucking white knuckling, fucking I really wish I could go have a drink and stuff, being able to talk to him and him it, when he says to me, you know, it really helped, man. Thank you. Thank you for being there for me. And I was like, woo! Yeah. You better believe I don't even have fucking one. The idea of drugs and alcohol are in the back of my, like the back of my train. I'm like, woo! That's what I'm talking about. Fuck, you know, yeah, yeah. that's that's the motivation. That's it where really, it's at. You it know? really is. Well, dude. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I really mean it. And I'm so excited for you to have your kid. Thank you, bro. Your, your wife. I mean, by the time this posts, you will be a father. I will. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just so happy that pe- when people like you have kids because there's Thank so you. many people who don't shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, oh, my gosh. Taking these parent classes. Yeah. I was looking around and I am like, holy shit, yeah. Jessica. We are either very unique or I don't know, man, because some people are just – it's it's sad. It it's is sad, man. But but here's what I will say. You know how we talked about how important it is to just be honest. Yeah. It's gonna be so much harder when you're a parent <laughs> because lying to your kids is so effective. Yeah. It's so fucking effective. <laughs> oh man. But uh, but you'll you'll trust me. You'll figure it out, dude. Uh, Mike Safay, where um, can people get in cu- touch with you if they want some training, if they want some advice, if they want to know anything going on in your world? Where should they they should be going? You can hit me up on Instagram. Um, I'm pretty good at responding to people, sometimes not immediately. My gym is located inside Gracie University mm-hmm. in Torrance, California. So if you're ever interested in training, um, hit me up. I don't do online training for physique or bodybuilding competitions. Um, I'm just yeah, – I believe it's a very unhealthy way. And although I do it to myself, I wouldn't prescribe it to other people. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. 
Awesome, man, dude. And and uh, for you guys out there, we are in Southern California, you know, here the really the mecca now of mixed martial arts. Um, if you're looking for a strength and conditioning coach, Mike Safi is top of the heap. I put him and my friend Nick Kirsten right up there, and they're both here in Southern California. So reach out to Mike. He's trained Fabrizio Verdum, of course, everyone's favorite Brian Ortega. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you really you really know your shit, and um, so so uh, thank you again, man. Thank you, and, brother. Uh, Appreciate I wish you nothing it. but the best. All right. All right. Uh, thank you again to Mike Safi. The guy's smart. The guy's likable. The guy is shredded. Um, listen to him. I endorse him. I believe in him. Time for Mike's monologue, where uh, I rant or open up about one certain issue that will be bugging me internally, and it is my time to wrap things up by giving you a little message. And normally, look, I base this whole this whole podcast on the idea of not telling you how to live your life. I'm just giving you my experience. I'm going to be very open and honest right now. I'm telling you how to live your life on this one. I'm a married man. I have sex with only one woman. And if, oh, is that, isn't that just great? If there's one thing men love with sex, it's familiarity. <laughs> uh, all joking aside, if you're in an open relationship, you're open marriage, that's good. It's your thing. I'm in a monogamous marriage. I only have sex with one person, and I love it, and it's great. But I was a single man once. And I was pretty darn successful when it came to the fucking, okay? Did it a lot. I don't in any way, in any way fault you if you're a young single man and you're going around fucking everything with a heartbeat. I get it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But I didn't have Tinder. I didn't have these apps. I didn't have this whole thing, which is essentially Poontang room service. And here's my only thing. I've made this mistake. Don't do this. If you're going to go around and you're going to fuck all the time and you're going to bang a bunch of different chicks and you're going to be a man whore, okay, that's your business. And frankly, like I said, I don't see anything morally wrong with it. What I do think is wrong, what I do think is fucking gross, is something that so many of you men do today. And I don't even mean young men. Some of you guys are my colleagues, my peers. You're 40-something years old, and you do this, and it's fucking gross, and it needs to stop. And that is ghosting girls. You're going to go on a Tinder date. You fuck a chick. Night number one. Cool. She's an adult. It was consensual. All fine. If that's all you want, again... Okay, fine. This is your business. You're an adult. Do whatever the fuck you want to do. But at least have the decency to call her and say, uh, I really enjoyed our night together. Sex was awesome. If you'd like to continue doing that, I would love that. But I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't really see any future uh, with like a, a dating relationship as of right now. I just want to be honest with you so that you're not confused or there's no no weird feelings the idea that you would fuck a girl and then not just not contact her in any way and just fall off the face of the earth and not return messages and shit that is so gross and i am a gross dude i'm a horny disgusting gross dude but i cannot sign off on that stop it ghosting chicks is so not okay really for your spiritual currency, you are taking out gigantic withdrawals 
That's all I'm saying, dude. And that is Mike's monologue for today. Download, subscribe, please. I love you. Thank you for supporting the podcast as I'm building it up. And assalamu alaikum. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.